0: Welcome to the Nurse Mark Podcast, where we talk about everything health, happiness, cannabis. We'll delve into all aspects of what it means to live a powerful, healthy life. Everything from exercise, to nutrition, to mindfulness, and how to use cannabis as a means to alleviate some of the most common health issues we face. My motivation and passion come from the fact that I personally had to explore all these areas to deal with lifelong depression and mood disorder. For me, it's personal. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is fun. It's good to see you. Okay, we're streaming live on Facebook now. Okay, Megan Koloski, thank you for joining me on the Nurse Mark Live broadcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to see you again. I wish it was in person, but I'll take take this.
0: Exactly. This is the best we can do right now. So folks, Megan and I are both uh, in the same program, master's program in cannabis science, medical cannabis science and therapeutics at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. And we're both just having such a great time being in school during COVID times. We actually were supposed to be meeting each other face-to-face this coming week or was it yep. this Friday?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was this week. I think it was yeah. this Friday
0: for a face to face quarterly symposium. But uh, hey, we ain't doing it. So here we are. We're live on Facebook. Yep. so I wanted to have a conversation and really have people get a sense of what your experience has been, because you're a nurse like me. You're a nurse. Mm-hmm. And you have a background in oncology, nursing
1: oncology, and a lot of palliative care and like palliative well.
0: care. Okay. Yeah. So now you're in a cannabis program and you're a cannabis advocate. So I love yes. for people to really understand how you got from point A to point C cannabis. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like We're that. We're going to go A,
0: B, C. We're going right down the line. How, what, so how did you get here? What What's your background? So you start out as nur- in, in nursing and...
1: Yeah, so I, I'd say it's pretty multifaceted how like everything that kind of led to the circumstances that I'm in right now and like the role cannabis plays in my life. But yes, yeah, so I did my undergrad, I uh, got my bachelor's in nursing from mm-hmm. the University of South Florida. And then I spent five, around five years working. Um, it was a oncology slash R kind of our CMO which that means comfort measure only for any listeners who may not know so um dealt with a lot of end of life issues things like that and it was interesting working as a nurse in those two fields specifically because those mm-hmm. are things that you might initially think of as someone who might benefit from cannabis is you right. know usually when you think you know even if you don't know anything about medical cannabis you know like i heard that you know if someone with cancer smokes some pot you know, it might help their nausea. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to say that that is true. You know, I many times, obviously, I worked for a large hospital that was receiving some government funding. So, you know, it's a no no um, cannabis. But um, it's very interesting um, how little I kind of studied it in nursing school and then coming across straight into that particular field. I had a lot of patients where I would routinely catch them eating edibles or or something i was pretty relaxed on it honestly as long as they're not like smoking next to an oxygen tank or something like that
0: which we've all had (laughs) patients like that you know of
1: of (laughs) course like i know there's definitely some people that would have done that for sure but thankfully no one in the tank (laughs) yes i know but you know people just don't pay attention but um Mm -hmm. yeah so i started seeing you know I started seeing how it was helping people and I started kind of forming the opinion like who am I to stop someone from eating this brownie if it is the only thing we have tried absolutely every um anti-emetic drug and it's the only thing that helps them keep down a cracker why is right. everyone so adamantly when when against it
0: treated or you're you're even if you're yeah. at end of life I mean you want to be able to eat I mean eating is something that we derive great pleasure from and I mean we need to do it to really be to survive so you know yeah
1: you you know there's that and then there was working through like the kind of the opioid crisis as a someone who was managing like morphine and Mm -hmm. fentanyl drips and stuff you know then started coming things like having to fill out justification forms and it's like you know these people probably have a day left to live I shouldn't be having to do like a ton of paperwork to -hmm. justify it there's so much available you know and I specifically think of like cannabinoid suppositories or you know um via like a nebulizer or something that like how much those patients could benefit yeah. from that and it's right there and we couldn't use it and it mm-hmm. irked what me.
0: state what state were you working in at that point florida so florida, florida. Yeah. yeah and was this prior to the, like the medical cannabis well actually it wouldn't much matter because if you were in a hospital setting or they're probably yeah. I
1: mean, probably medical cannabis anyway. was legalized, but, you know, being in that big hospital, that big corporation, it was a big no-no. So, right. you know, and then I started, you know, kind of questioning a little bit more. I was like, I want to know why I want to study this a little bit more because a lot of these physicians I noticed also had fundamental issues with like a lot of the patients using like tea tree oil and things like that for like their nails and stuff. Certain chemos can kind of affect them and make them really brittle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, why are people so adamantly against like plant medicine? Um, And it was, you know, at the same time, I'm kind of dealing with progressive MS myself. So I'm Mm -hmm. giving chemo during the day and then on my days off getting like biologics and you know, chemotherapeutic drugs so myself. Prior
0: to nursing school, you had that diagnosis or was it, where I was had,
1: it? I was diagnosed my first week as a nurse.
0: Oh my! I had,
1: I had just given birth, Um mm-hmm. you know, and my son was about three months old and I took my boards when he was about six weeks old. So, you know, oh, um man. I was very tired and I was kept, remember saying to the physicians, like, I think something's wrong. Like, I'm so tired that I'm like running into things and like mm-hmm. my vision is blurred and everyone kind of wrote me off and said
0: oh yeah you just, just new, new mom
1: fatigue new you just mom. had a baby and mm-hmm. I'm like oh okay and I worked yeah. my first 12-hour shift as a nurse um went to bed and then I woke up and I was having optic neuritis and some tunneling vision some left-sided paralysis and some extreme vertigo no and I, being a nurse, of course, I'm like I'm like, well, let me just wait this out. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> Nurses are and, the worst patients, like with the last. You know, I'm to like, I'll just drive ER.
1: myself to the hospital. Right, And, continues, right. and I'm and like, like, you have left no. side
0: paralysis and you can't see, but you're gonna drive yourself to the hospital. Typical so nurse. I,
1: I thought it was fatigue. You know, I'd, I had yeah. I actually never worked a 12 hour shift before. So mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, okay, it's all just compiling. But it obviously, continued, and I went to the ER they initially thought it was a stroke and then mm-hmm. they thought it was CNS lymphoma. And then finally I got the MS diagnosis. So um, after like some steroids and plasma exchange, I went back to work and I tried to just manage it the best I could. And it was really hard to strike that bounce for those five mm-hmm. years. And that's why I crashed and burned. Um, you know, it's, I wanted to pretend during the remitting parts of the disease that I wasn't sick. And I felt that, Like my 20s and my career and everything I worked for was being stolen Mm. from me. So I would um, lash out almost in a way with my behavior and my viewpoints, um, particularly with like food and what I was putting in my body. Like I'm reading all this stuff all the time about how diets can help diseases. And, Mm. you know, working in oncology, you know, duh, and autoimmune diseases. But, you know, I was like, this is the only thing I have control over anymore. And, um, you know, I was basically bedridden when I wasn't working, when I was working, Mm -hmm. I was holding onto walls and leaning on my computer on wheels, hiding it very well. And I had a lot of tricky little things that I did. Like I had issues looking up, it would throw me into a bad spell. So the first thing I did, like when I got on my shift was like lower all my IV poles and just little tricks like that, because I just... I wanted to pretend it wasn't happening and Mm -hmm. I'd get put on one med and then I'd need another med to counteract the side effect. And I think the highest I got between my scheduled and as needed meds was something like 22 medications at at 26 years old. Oh my gosh. Using a cane on my days off, Mm -hmm. um, you know, prisms in my eyes. And then, you know, finally, it just got to a point where, you know, like my app management intervened about my MS being too bad. And Mm -hmm. I was really bitter about that for a long time because they felt it was bad enough to like go to like the boards about instead of consulting me. And that took a really long time to get over. And I left, you know, I was in practitioner school and I'm kind of like, what's my next step. And then I'm Mm -hmm. scrolling facebook and i see an advertisement for our mcst program that we are now in yeah. and i'm like you know what i'm such a big advocate i've seen what it's done for these patients i approve of it i have to secretly approve of it like why don't i try you know i experimented a little in high school you know um yeah. why don't i try this and give this a try and i you know on a whim it just felt right um you know something felt really right about applying for the program and i was super ecstatic to get accepted just with like all the impressive backgrounds and everything and um the program injunction like has really helped my healing journey and i would say like since the beginning of this program that's right around the time that i really started getting well because as i was learning i was applying a lot of these um you know, medicinal uses to myself in a very like controlled trial and error where I was journaling everything and finding what Mm. worked best for me. And in that, you know, as of today, I'm on zero pharmaceuticals. Um, I'm proud to say I threw my cane away. I I, I didn't even bring my prisms with me to Arizona. So I'm doing really well. Um, I do have to stay really structured with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's kind of given me an interesting oh. perspective coming from like the healthcare side of it and seeing the pushback and like, you know, mm-hmm. I might get some hate for this, but all like the Nixon era physicians and how yeah. resistant they are. Well, um, you know and I mean speaking you know in myself. Their defense,
0: that's what they've been trained to believe. Yeah. And, uh, yep. and so it's really hard to, to change someone's viewpoint. Once they're stuck on something, it's very difficult. I mean, it's a psychological phenomenon, right? Cognitive yeah. dissonance, no matter what you present for evidence, if they have a firmly held belief, they're going to hold on to that no matter what. And yeah. so
1: and here I we think are, that, which like, is what we're doing, yeah. right? We're
0: advocates being in this, being in this program. Yep. Um, I,
1: I Absolutely. Mean,
0: like we're just being, you know, Super trained to be advocates for the legalization at a federal level, which oh, I hope it's coming soon.
1: And I hope so people too. Be able to use
0: it, right? So, for, I mean, eventually, eventually, I, I absolutely can see insurance paying for medical cannabis as it should. It's a legitimate right. medicine, right? So we, I mean, I, we
1: I believe that's how it's structured in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I believe that your that's
0: covered. Yeah, Germany's pretty progressive. They have a they yeah. have a universal health care uh, system, yeah. um, which you know, I mean, I I studied some some a lot of the universal health cares around the world, and they're not perfect, but yeah, you know that the, there's a lot more that they um, accommodate. You know if it's universal health they look at a lot of the other alternative medicine routes treatment routes and they'll cover it so yeah i bet you're right that that um yeah. additional cannabis is is probably uh covered yeah which yeah
1: I, and so i think it's important yeah. to have that facet covered if you're doing a program like that because in you know if you're in america you know with our healthcare system we don't you know, unless it's a lot, it adds up. I'm just going to say it. It's really expensive. You know, if you're in a state when you can't grow your own plants, which there's not a whole lot, Florida is not there yet. and Arizona is not there yet. Um, it really, it adds up and it sucks to kind of put yourself in debt, but the Mm -hmm. trade-off I can say personally is that I've never felt as good as I do right now I've never <laughs> been like it probably right. as financially bad off but you yeah know, that's it really raises the question about like what's important in life like this is my journey with cannabis has I've since like gone to like tiny living because mm. it's really I've really used cannabis as a spiritual tool mm. as well and um yeah, I highly so one sherry. of the
0: sherry tutkus and i the green nurse are gonna do are gonna do a live show uh thursday night of just on that subject on spirituality and cannabis yes because it's a huge connection to that yes (laughs) yes awesome this is
1: a wonderful book if anyone it's uh cannabis and spirituality um I'm still about halfway through it, but it raises, I mean, I'll save that for your next podcast, yeah. but I felt compelled to bring it up because it's Absolutely. something that it's and really been a did. tool of nice mm-hmm. like ritual tool to kind of clear my mind, meditate. And I feel just raise my personal vibration and that's raises helped me maintain my exactly. Yeah. It's a tool of consciousness. And yes. when you change the way that you look at your cannabis and you don't look at it as I want to get high. Um, you know, something that I spoke about actually recently on another podcast, um, is my partner told me once when we first met that he would bless his cannabis before using it. Uh And, um, he did it like in the form of a mantra um, and I really liked that. And I liked the way that it shifted my mindset to prepare to, and be like thankful and have gratitude for using it. So mm. I kind of, it's usually just in my head or something, but I usually, I kind of try and like specifically channel, uh, what is it that I want? Do I just want, you know, to clear my mind Do I want to use it for meditative purposes, or is it something mm. with my MS, you know, help me with this and, repair dna uh you know and i just and then i always end by like thanking mother gaia and before i use and another cool point in this book that i read was about having just your own peace and the importance of that and i guess that yeah. tends more to like couples i guess who would both be patients but they Um, it's really good to have your own piece and have your own ritual. Of course, obviously it's fine to share, you know, because it's about set setting and intention, right? You know, it's the same with psychedelics. Same thing.
0: So, so important to have that intention set to create that space for whatever the experience is going to be. It can be a very, you know, nailed down intention, or it could be a very open intention you know, but yep. the importance of setting one, that's real. that's really cool. I'm glad you brought that up mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a, it's a, it's a very big factor. And I think that, you know, f- from the folks that I know that are involved in this, there, a lot of them come at it from a sort of that spiritual um, viewpoint, really.
1: Yeah. Cause that tiny exercise of blessing the cannabis, <laughs> I think is what I inadvertently, really improved my own mental health with, which I didn't realize that I needed or, but mm-hmm. when I would sit down and do these blessings beforehand, I would, you know, I'd have to think about what do I want to use it for? And that would help me identify times when I may have just been sitting down to smoke and suppress something and not deal with it uh-huh. and use it, you know, and as I'll use quotes, abuse it yeah. in a way. Yeah. And it helps yeah. me draw differences between those times and see patterns within myself and get a little better at only using it, you know, in a way that is beneficial to my mm-hmm. vibration and my energy. So, yeah. you know, and that's helped a lot. And I didn't go in thinking that that little simple exercise would do all that for me. So Really yeah, well, neat it's a
0: connection to the past, right? It's been used as a is a, a medicine and as a religious Ritual tool for thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of years. I and mean, that yep. gets handed down through the genetic code, right? It's the epigenetics of it. It just gets passed down mm-hmm. through. So I can't, I can't ever remember blessing any pharmaceutical experience I ever had. You
1: know, it's funny because usually before pharmaceuticals, I'll I'll be praying, but it's usually like about like, please don't let the side effects be like deadly this time. Like yes. <laughs> and that's what I i'm please like please live through on. this oh. it's so different because you know, i was like one of those people who would get like anaphylaxis to a lot of uh. stuff and get like like type one hypersensitivity reactions like oh, really like scary God. stuff so yeah. usually like it's crazy the difference in mindset you know and mm-hmm. and one interesting thing i think for healthcare providers that i learned in this program and i don't know about you but i didn't realize like what a large, such a large percentage of these drugs, especially oncology drugs are from like naturally derived sources, like taxines yeah. and stuff. I did twenty 26% or something, I think God, was the I, stat. Yeah, I think it's even something. higher than that.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, and
1: um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because it made me reflect back on all the times when, you know, basically a lot of the people I was working on were like, no, nothing natural. Like it's just all, you know, it's hippie stuff. They'd say, and then I'm like, I'm like, but while they were saying that, we were infusing a naturally derived drug, but they just didn't even know it. (laughs) No,
0: no, nobody knew it. But because it went through the traditional, what is now the traditional pathway, you know, it was okay to be used. Mm -hmm. And it just it blows me away to think that in 1937, when cannabis was in effect made illegal. It was the a, Yeah, it was the AMA, the American Medical yep. Association that testified, right? We learned that they testified in Congress and said, this is crazy. This is a, we've used this medicine for years and years. And if you make it illegal, we're not going to be able to continue research, which is the exciting part. And, yeah. you know, Congress for political and racial reasons ignored the science. Kind of funny that we're in a place now where a lot of people ignore science, isn't it?
1: It, you uh, some know, things
0: never change, Megan, some things never change.
1: No, and uh, it's amazing how, like, a few people in power yeah. can can do. Yeah. It. it really uh, is. I mean, really that is. that was in everything. It was like, you'd see, like, those women's tinctures that it was, like, f- for their time of the month, and it was, like, cannabis morphine, <laughs> like, yes. alcohol or something mixed together. And that was over the counter. That was, like, today's Midol.
0: Oh, yeah, in a way, you oh, know, and yeah. Yeah. so what
1: a huge shift, you know, and I understand, like, if people are resistant to change, they're resistant to what you don't know, we all are, even when we try not to be. Um, So, yeah, I can it's definitely human put myself. Condition.
0: It's how we're wired. Yeah. We're just wired it's... for that, right? If, yeah. if it worked yesterday, we're going to do the same thing today. It's habit. We're going to do the same thing because deep in our brains that part that says it kept us alive. Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think
1: that after all of this and these crazy times, I mean, there, I feel that there already was a big want, but there is a want and a need from, I think to the general population yeah. to start examining more natural based approaches and focusing on wellness instead of healing. Healing is expensive. And then you do it for years, realize you're on a hundred meds and realize that nobody actually wants you
0: to heal. No, it's a bit And I,
1: I can, you know, I can say that and I'm not sorry who I make mad because I had MS, you know, statistically is the most expensive disease. Is and it? I don't understand why. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. My infusions were $17,000 a month and they didn't work. And I was sick. And Mm -hmm. had to take a ton of things to counteract that still didn't work. And here I am using cannabis. And I'm not saying that that's for everyone. And I'm not saying that I judge someone for using a disease modifying therapy. I think the most important thing to extrapolate from this is you have to pick what works for you. I think that a lot of these illnesses are, I mean, I think all these illnesses are very real. But I think that you need to give yourself a fighting chance and look at yourself as a temple, a vessel that you're gifted with and be mindful of what you're putting in your body. And that includes food, includes water, includes cannabis and drugs, yes. you know?
0: Yeah. So, and and you know what? That's, it's all about the endocannabinoid system, right? Yes, it that's is. what we're talking about. We're talking about all of those things affected exercise, nutrition, external cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids from the plant, all of those yeah. things. And so yeah. it really is amazing to me that you went from 22 medications to none. Yeah. With a very debilitating diagnosis in many cases, right? I mean, you, you. Yeah, it was really debilitating,
1: you know, and yeah. I, that it really was, it affected my mental health a lot because, you yeah, know, you get you get in, well, one, like when you're on like a thousand milligrams of steroids a day, I'm sure you can understand like why someone might be a little edgy, but that on top of, you know, and people telling you, oh, like so sad, or you're not going to live as long. And hearing that constantly, it really took a toll on my Mm -hmm. mental health, you know, and I'm very grateful to have gotten out of that pain body cycle. And I really, I knew there was a connection between stress in the way I treated my body and that it directly correlated to my MS exacerbations, but I did mm-hmm. not realize the extent. And I have peeled back all these layers and realized, you know, just how important it is for me to maintain a good energy because I just have this, I don't look at it as a problem. I look at it now as more of a just a little obstacle, maybe a little extra obstacle that maybe and, someone else doesn't have, but that's okay.
0: Yeah. And you're actually doing something that can help other people. Like your, your testimony, your experience with this particular disease and how, you know, your story of actually getting off of those medications. It, it's amazing. It's going to help other people over time. Yeah.
1: The more
0: that's you, my, share that's it, my you share it, that's my goal. share a lot.
1: Yeah. That's my goal. And I just, you know, I hope that it resonates with somebody because, um, I've just, I've been at the point where I've uh, made fun of people who use like, you know, I call them crunchy, you know, Mm -hmm. like naturally derived, you know, and um, approaches towards themselves. I've been there, you know, I've been, I've been, I've completely had a little bit of an awakening that you could only have by experiencing yourself. So to anyone listening with MS, I know what it's like to be listening to someone like me right now. rolling your eyes and like okay well it's just that easy go vegan and smoke cannabis and no Mm -hmm. it's not that easy and each person's journey is their own and but don't get bitter about it you need Mm to um, maximize the potential that you do have I've laid in bed in that hospital bed and thought that this is my life and it'll never get Mm -hmm. better so but there is hope People need to know
0: that here you are. I mean, you look great. You're feeling Thanks. good and, and you're, you know, you're here to help people like you're sharing your story. And I, you talked about it earlier. You, you journaled, like you had to work to figure out what was going to actually be effective for you. And I yeah. think that that's something that is, that we need to continually tell people because, Hey, we all want the quick fix. We all want instant gratification. But if you're yeah. using cannabis as a medicine,
1: if you're not going to get it. So 10, should,
0: that's not yeah. going to be the case. You're not
1: going to get instant gratification. Right. Probably get go you probably pick a product you hate a few times yeah. and you can't, you can't give up, but education mm-hmm. is empowerment Yeah. this. And I will say that like, also it's the importance of, um, I would like to make a comment about just the cannabis industry. I'll focus on Florida. Mm -hmm. for right Mm now um you know i think that the dispensaries and the vertical ops have a responsibility to make sure that there is at least a minimum amount of training to be a bud tender or dispensary agent Mm -hmm. um you know I've i've seen very dangerous things where people are come in for first-time consults and you know to a dispensary that i was working at in florida and i'm talking about i'm cannabis naive and i'm on This chemo treatment and the, you know, the agent next to me who just asked me what if a terpene was an indica or a sativa is trying to sell them RSO because it's the highest, you know, it's one of the most expensive products and that's, Mm -hmm. it's not okay. It needs to be treated as a medicine and until we shift that paradigm in the business world as well, there's going to be a lot of dangerous things going on like that. You know, that was something where I was glad I was standing there and Mm -hmm. I could intervene, but you know, there needs to be training
0: proper medicine, right? It has to be the proper proper route of administration. It has to be the proper amount, the right actual chemo bar, right? It's going to be the right right chemo bar, you know? Yeah. We got a comment here from Jane. Jane, thanks for stopping by. And she says it's sad that she sees individuals that have Parkinson's and shake horribly. And if she could use cannabis to help them versus the pharma they're currently using, it would be great. But because nursing homes are federally funded, they're not going to let that happen now. And she's absolutely right. I made my first job out of uh, nursing school was in a long-term care facility. And so there were a lot of Parkinson's patients and you know, as we know, there is some, there, there is a lot of research that's been done and is still ongoing around cannabis being effective in helping Parkinson's patients. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah
1: there's a lot of research on like, you know, and uh like the hard to treat symptoms of dementia as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's one that who, who I'm better really to benefit in? from those studies. Me as well. Uh I mean, as nurses, we're like, Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and as far as like, um, you know, obviously my, Um, Experience is a little different. I don't have Parkinson's. I have MS, but one of the biggest doses of medicine that I was on prior to my journey was gabapentin. And I mean, I'm talking, it was like something like 2,400 milligrams a day or something like a a cancer patient dose probably. Um, And it's, I still had the the tremors uh, really bad. And that's one of the first things that uh, I was able to solve I will Mm say almost that's one of the things I was able to actually 100% solve you know with cannabis and being mindful of the products that I was using um so and also I think knowing that sometimes there's you may have a month where you just have like a bunch of headaches you may need to shift your uh cannabis schedule a little I have to do that all the time Mm -hmm. like right now I wake up and I usually do like a one hitter of flour, yeah. and I, that really helps me as an appetite stimulant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do like little one hitters throughout the day, every two to three hours. Um, and then at night, you know, for, I also had like some PTSD that I dealt with. Um, so I don't know if that helps anyone listening but I would do a dab to help me fall asleep because I was experiencing a lot of night terrors and mm. very restless and stuff and then I'm an edible to stay asleep right um, so it's kind of like a day yeah. in my life but
0: that's the proper dosing for you yeah and again you're lucid you're on point you look great you look like you feel great So whatever you're doing is absolutely working for you. And Jane made another comment here. Gabapentin's a huge go-to for the docs at the facility.
1: It really really is. And that's shocking because there are, um, I believe this was on PubMed. I read this Mm -hmm. recently. There was a lot of studies about um, mental health um, contraindications with Gabapentin that we originally did not realize the severity of when this Mm -hmm. drug came out. I mean, there's a lot of, correlation with like suicidal ideations like arising from as a result of taking that drug
0: Um, and
1: it's just dangerous you know we have
0: so we have this false sense of security that all of the pharmaceuticals have been been through these very rigorous studies and tests and, and you know honestly they're put through enough to get authorized and then they're put onto the market um, and, yeah,
1: but they know, don't test it on someone with Parkinson's glanzapine. who also yeah. is on 10 drugs as well, yeah. you know, the gabapentin passed it, but did you do the trial with the you person who likely don't. has chronic pain? Did you do it with that? Also maybe taking a long acting opioid and right. see how the, right. are they synergistically working together?
0: There's no. interactions <laughs> between those, right? No, they, don't. Right. they absolutely yeah. don't, but you know what? That's why it's the practice of medicine. And so everybody's doing the best that they can with the knowledge right. that they have. And the issue is they're just not accepting cannabis as a medicine the way that it should be yet. And again, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking tonight because we know that it's an effective medicine and we're here to just share that word and to, to gather the people together and, and just make this happen.
1: Yeah. And yeah. you know, so everyone's on the same page, you know, like there is such a mismatch right now between the States and Federal government, and that leaves people really, like, yeah. understandably leaves them very confused. You know, and like, what are my rights? What can they do? What can't they do? I, I better not try it. And, yeah. You know, healthcare providers, like, mm-hmm. so I can speak for that. Like, we we have to take a lot of pharma because, like, we're like bred to like be scared to even try CBD. And you know, there's just but a lot of impact, things that have, have to change. Impact on a job. Yeah. You know, a positive
0: yeah. THC test could could mm-hmm. impact your job. It and can.
1: So uh, then a lot of people feel cornered into using pharmaceuticals because of oh, their yeah. career.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's the safer legal route, And that's yeah. the stuff that, we, that's, the, that's the bullshit that we need to get rid of, honestly. That's yeah. you know, that, that, that legal impediment to actually using this medicine that has a huge beneficial uh, effect for a lot of people and very, very, very few side effects.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the most important things that even for physicians or healthcare providers who aren't ready to (laughs) swallow this pill (laughs) yet, you know, this cannabis (laughs) pill, um, I'd say that the most important thing is to think back to your Hippocratic oath and (laughs) practice cultural confidence and non-judgment and create a safe space so that your patients feel comfortable. Because the fact is, and it's very real that I know that there are other nurses in my position whose patients are like, you know, I had to use this to be like eat, you know, on this cycle of chemo, but please don't tell my doctor because he's going to write that I'm a drug addict.
0: Right. And they're not
1: wrong because I've listened to them speak. You know, and that puts us in, it puts us in bad positions, but more importantly, it puts the patient in a compromising position. So the best you can do is just practice a good bedside manner and whether or not you personally agree with it, you put other aspects of your personal biases aside, you know. Right. If you're a physician, it, right? you take this oath and regardless of how you and I might feel about maybe the subject of abortion or something, if we mm-hmm. have a patient bleeding in front of us, we're there to get better. We're not there to anything. We're not there to judge. We're not there to give our opinion. We yeah. took an oath. Mm-hmm. So just remember that. And I think that that's the best thing physicians can do and mm-hmm. nurse practitioners um, in the meantime, you know, until this shift inevitably happens.
0: Inevitably happens. Absolutely, absolutely (laughs) coming. We're part of it. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. So, how you like in school this semester?
1: Oh gosh, (laughs) I'm on a live video.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I think we should probably just say it's going well. Yeah, it's been an interesting semester. I'm learning.
1: I'm learning a lot. It's really interesting and. So, you know, for anyone watching, we're currently studying, like, the kind of negative effects, some of the adverse effects of medical cannabis. Yes. So, and that's really important to study both sides in any subject, Mm -hmm. you know, to understand where people are coming from. And um, it's interesting because we are, I want to word this right, we're experiencing this uh, coursework kind of through the lens of a very skewed bias
0: Yes, I guess, that was a nice way to say it, um, yeah.
1: But yeah. regardless, I'm still able to extrapolate is, a lot. Yeah,
0: it's the presenting material that is um, designed to, of course, give a negative viewpoint, because that's what we're studying, the negative effects. Yes. Mm-hmm. So but it's important I, to I know found, that. Yeah, I found that I really had to work really hard at saying, go in with an open mind, Mark. Mm-hmm. Go in with an open mind you know, taking the information and try not to experience my cognitive dissonance because I'm a pro-cannabis person, right? So if if I'm presented with a bunch of negative information, what's my first inclination? I'm going to try to poke holes in it. I'm going to look for, and you know, it's pretty easy in cannabis research because in this country, there hasn't been a lot that has been allowed to been done, uh, honestly, in a, in a really, rigorous way i would say a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the studies have a lot of um oh have a lot of uh um, issues with reliability i would think
1: right and that, as we have kind of learned i think that I, nida played more of a role in some of the lack of cannabis research than i initially yeah. thought yeah. i think well, everyone's I think so quick to blame, like NIDA,
0: the right the National yeah Institute so they're the ones that
1: actually have a they lot help. more control
0: right so they held the purse strings and you know their 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 reason for being is to you know deal with addictive drugs so of course we've got to have as many as possible um right yeah
1: yeah of course
0: (laughs) yeah so what do you think of this I, I had uh I had um uh Mike Zappi Zappelin on, and we talked about ketamine and about psychedelics. And one of the things we talked about was, we talked about the fact that cannabis has sort of been the precursor. It's been the one that's sort of broken down the defenses uh, of of people starting to think of all of these other plant and medicinal um, uh, things possibly, you know, actually being good and being able to be used as tools. And sort of moving that whole thing forward because I don't know about you, but I see psychedelics all over the place. Like, you know, do. new There's research. A lot of,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, and like, I follow maps pretty closely.
0: I do, as but do I. Yeah. For
1: anyone listening, that's the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Mm-hmm. I know. It's like I can say that five times fast. I know. But, um, you know, and I. When I learned about that, a little, I actually I received the therapy-assisted ketamine infusions.
0: I have I have recently had some some ketamine experiences myself.
1: So tell me, let's let's share experiences. I want to hear yours with the ketamine because it'll be interesting.
0: With the ketamine again, I set an intention, and they were short duration, (laughs) hour long sessions. Uh, I've done three, uh, spaced out several weeks apart, Uh, and. For me, it was it was a real just a, a a reset. I'll give you an example. I um I have been wanting to drink less mm-hmm. alcohol, right? Been wanting to drink less, but it's hard. You go out, you see people, you have a cocktail, whatever. I've just known that it that I have so much on my plate that I would rather not have alcohol in my life at this point because it's a right. distraction, right? After that first ketamine session, which was, I don't know, 40 days ago, 50 days ago, after that first session, I have not had a drink and I have not had a desire for a drink. I haven't thought about a drink. I've been in situations where everybody else was drinking and I'm fine. But right. it was it, it's sort of been, it's been a reset and, and I have this, um, I've been so <coughs> calm and centered uh, since that point. Um, it's been, it, it's, it was an amazing experience. And how about you?
1: I'm so happy to hear that. I, you know, I, I, it's as an adjunct to that, you know, I, I, res- I got mine in February and they did, I forgot six. Um, and they Which were twice, the protocol, twice a week, they were yep. twice a week for three weeks, it's mm-hmm. clustered pretty close. Um, and I liked the center. I think it's important to highlight that the center or again, the setting is important mm-hmm. so make sure if you're picking a clinic like that like mm-hmm. be mindful of how important the setting is to them because that's going to tell you a lot about how important they take it and or how, how seriously they take it and your own experience um mm-hmm. i had a, it was a lovely room like incense and like a yeah. Buddha statue and you're yeah. laying on a couch and you know, yeah, you know was, like the ivs just hanging on the, like you know the, the a bag is just meditation. in the wall yeah i meditated yeah. It was wonderful. Oh my um, my experience is I feel I felt that nothing was things weren't getting to me. Um, my I guess our my ego wasn't being triggered yeah. um as much. I guess would be a good way to put it, you know. Example, like someone cut me off really bad, like, you know, and I think normally I would have been like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, and you I'm know, from now, Massachusetts, now I'm just like, you know, you know, we're, we're called mass know.
0: holes. Like, we're like, yeah. we're considered some of the worst drivers and we're very aggressive like that, Megan. So I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And now it just doesn't get to me. I'm like, they're probably late for work or something. And it's like, it, it switched on these receptors that I think were pre- or these pathways that are previously unaccessed. Um, and I've just been able to, it's, I've been able to condition my responses. Whereas, like, I was kind of stuck in a pain body cycle. So, my, mm-hmm. felt like a lot of my reactions were negative or like, or why, yeah. why did this happen for this person? Or, <laughs> you know, and that kind of like poor me mindset, which a lot of us get stuck in, whether, I mean, it's not, cool to talk about when you're saying you're like wow that you know that sucks and you want to change it but a lot of people do it and that really helped me and I felt this kind of warmth this sense of calm and serenity like you described yeah. and I think that that also really probably aided in the transition off of all of those meds as well mm-hmm. like you know I attribute the cannabis to maintaining that but I think the ketamine and its work with the receptors really helped me get off to, like that large amount of like mm. neurological <laughs> medications. Mm-hmm. I think I attribute that to, cause that would have been a much longer wean than yes. it actually was for me, had it not been for the timing of those infusions. So I very grateful. I don't have enough good things to say. I'm a huge psilocybin advocate, uh, set, setting intention, everybody you know, no matter what
0: you're doing. Have a good guide, have a good space.
1: Yeah. Check out some of maps research or oh. they have an Instagram page and stuff. And then phenomenal. So yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that gets into too. the show
0: notes for sure. Yeah. You want to check out maps. They're doing some incredible work uh, yeah. in, in that space. And it really is. Uh, it's a brave new world in the mental health space, you know, and having dealt with lifelong depression and it was not treated Mm -hmm. well with medications. I'm one of those people that medications just didn't work well. Uh, And it wasn't until I figured out a certain litany of nutrition and exercise and meditation and these different tools that I was actually able to get off medication. Um, But the fact of the matter is medications in the mental health space are just not that effective. No. So, they're not it, there's this new push looking at psychedelics as being the new wave the new methodology of being able to give people lasting you know freedom from that from that awful depression that they might suffer from PTSD and other mental uh, disorders and illnesses I think it's that's, a
1: wonderful that's tool fabulous. like just to, to help you do the work on your own yeah. it's the kickstart right. that a lot of us right. need mm-hmm. um you know, and it's not for everyone, you know, but yeah. right, you just do your research. Like, you know, you said you found all these little things that work for you. I listened to a lot of lives like this yeah. podcasts like this, and I extrapolated what resonated with me and mm-hmm. did my own research, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I remain open and I remain knowing that there's, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. So I'm always willing to explore something um, and I do my best to not judge it um, before I at least try and read up or learn a little bit about it. And mm-hmm. I think like education is empowerment. It's power.
0: You it know? So and don't that's you what think. people need to do. Yeah. So maybe that's the whole message of, of our time here together. And that yes. is, this is a new age of empowering the patient. Empowering the patient with the information that they need to make the decisions in their life as to what's gonna work for them.
1: Yeah, you what's had to gonna figure optimize out your journey. you?
0: I had to yeah. figure out mine. Like totally. and now it's just it's all wide open. Yes, yes. Yes,
1: Woo. happy for you, happy for me, happy That's for right. anyone That's listening.
0: Right. We're happy and healthy. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, Megan, anything you want to add before we wrap it up?
1: Oh my gosh, we covered a lot. <laughs> and, um,
0: yes, we did.
1: I would just say for anyone listening to try that gratitude uh, blessing at least once. The next time you smoke, even if it doesn't have to be fancy, just think about what do I want to help and just see if that experience is different for you,
0: yeah. you know, yeah.
1: um, and if it resonates, I encourage you to run with it. A lot of things yeah. start with gratitude
0: oh absolutely and and that i can't say enough for for that having that grateful attitude it's part of my meditation it's part of my daily Good. meditation is that i am grateful for something in my life because again we're wired with that negative bias and it can creep up and color our day so if we start off yes, with
1: gratitude right
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Megan. Thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate you and you taking your time and sharing your experience on on this podcast, on this live. And you know what? I can't wait to see you face to face at the next symposium. Because let's say COVID's going to be, you know, take care give of you a by big hug And we're going. <laughs> that's right. We're going to we're going to have a big hug. All yes. right. I can't wait. Thanks Thank you so, you so much. much
1: for having me.
0: Yeah, it was thanks wonderful. For, <laughs> thanks for being thanks for being a guest. Really, Thank really you. appreciate it. Awesome. All right, folks. Thanks for joining me, nurse Mark, and Megan for our talk. And we'll see you soon.